0: Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM.
1: Now here's your host, Chris Palme.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Live with CDP Sports Podcast on this Thursday, August 16th at 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 on the West Coast. I'm looking forward to my guest today, Al Murdoch. He is the public address announcer for the NHL's Vancouver Connects, and he's also a voiceover artist as well. And um, he was also the uh, public address announcer for the Vancouver grizzlies uh from 1995 to 2001 as well and he's had a long uh time uh, radio, career in radio in the vancouver market as well so uh, just bear with me guys and i'm gonna bring on the uh in-game arena voice of the vancouver canucks al murdoch good afternoon al how you doing
1: i am fantastic chris thanks for uh having me on
0: well, thank you so much for coming on. And I want to give a quick shout out to Joe Whitbread for putting in a good word for me. And uh, I really appreciate your time today.
1: Uh, I'm a, it's a pleasure being with you.
0: I was going to say this technology uh, is just amazing. I've been able to do this podcast the last two and a half years, and I've uh, made a lot of uh, new friendships and a lot of contacts. And it's just amazing how well this technology is helps.
1: Well, certainly. and And, of course, uh, we can look back uh, at the start of the pandemic, and uh, a lot of people were utilizing it, but not to the extent that uh, people are utilizing it now. And uh, and it's great that that we get to connect. You're in Ontario. I'm in uh, beautiful British Columbia. But look at we're in the same room together. Look at look at you're yeah. right there. You're, or or yep. what side are you on?
0: <laughs> Definitely. Now, um, have you used Streamyard before for any of your work, or that you normally zoom?
1: Uh, normally zoom. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do of course is audio. So, uh, you know, I'm in my studio right now at home and, uh, I use a lot of technology for that. Uh, I was on a session this morning with a studio in uh, Culver city, um, in Hollywood for a television show that I voice, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's seen on uh, Amazon prime and freebie called uh, Judy justice. It's the new judge Judy show. And, uh, I use a, uh, uh, a uh, technology called uh, IPDTL um, and Source Connect and a whole bunch of other great uh, broadband technologies. So I can be live in a studio anywhere in the world, but be right here in uh, just outside of Vancouver.
0: It's just amazing, man. I'm, every day I'm learning something new about uh, social media or the technology and stuff like that. I was gonna say you don't really have much of an off season because when when uh, the NHL's the Canucks season's over, uh, I imagine you're doing quite a bit, lot of uh, voiceover work. And you're also the president of uh, Murdoch Production Services Limited that you created back in 1997. I was reading up on.
1: That's right. Yeah. So uh, you know my my career in radio and television. I was on the radio for almost 20 years uh, in various markets uh, around the country, but specifically. Uh, in Vancouver. And while I was doing radio, um, I had the opportunity to, of course, branch out and start voicing uh, commercials and narrations for documentaries and video games and all that uh, kind of fun stuff. And uh, that led me to leave my radio career and start my own production company. And it's, uh, it was the best thing that I ever did. Uh, working for yourself, uh, you get to reap the rewards of your hard work. Um, there's a little bit more pressure on yourself because it's just you. Um, but I kind of like it that way. Uh, I always say, you know, <clears throat> I only work for one boss and that's me. And, uh, some days I like myself, some days, di- <laughs> some days I don't, sometimes I'm an easy employee. Uh, and sometimes I'm a tough employer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of great things, uh, in radio and television. But that once I've left, uh, I've got to branch out and do some wonderful things.
0: I was going to say, when you first started doing your voiceover work, did you have, did you see a coach about that or or no? I know Jerry Haworth I had on from the Blue Jays um, a year ago uh, when he first got into broadcasting. Uh, he told me a story about getting a, a voice coach uh, to help him with that for broadcasting and stuff.
1: Yeah, I've, I've definitely used voice coaches over the years uh, to help me kind of branch out. And do some things that uh, maybe I thought that my voice maybe not be conducive to uh, to branch out and not be just an announcer, uh, and, and that has helped me uh, immensely over the years. Um, but I think my I think my background in in radio kind of helped me at least get that foot in the door in terms of voiceover work. But then after that, it's really about honing your craft, and it's not unlike being a professional athlete or any athlete for that matter, Um, you have to work at your craft all the time. If you just kind of sit on your laurels and kind of just sit back and go, oh, you know, this is what I do. I don't have to get any better. I'm at the peak of my performance all all the time. You're not, Uh, you always have to get back into your roots a lot of times and you've got to do a lot of vocal exercises. Uh, I've got a great ENT doctor that I see when my voice is maybe not where it should be or if I've overworked it, I, I go get the massages all the time on my, uh, on my muscles in and around my neck and my, and my vocal cords, just to keep it in tip top performance.
0: And I was going to say, um, during a game too, I guess, um, you try to drink enough water as well, I guess uh, during the game as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta keep it moisturized. Uh, <clears throat> because if you don't, if it gets dry, uh, you, 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 know, it ends up, your voice is kind of like this. And sometimes if you don't keep it, you know, a lot of moisture in there. Sometimes it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then, of course, your voice does come from here, doesn't really come from here. Uh, you've also got to keep, uh, you know, your diaphragm working properly, your ab muscles going. It's, a, it's an intricate system. A lot of people don't, don't realize just when they're speaking all of the stuff that goes, you know, it starts up here, you know, and then it goes to all those areas here and down here. And uh, it's, it's a fun little mechanism that uh, I uh, fortunately have been able to, to make a living from.
0: I was going to say, and a lot of the other public address announcers uh, shared similar uh, stories as well. Now, I was going to ask you, um, Al, when did you realize you wanted to get into radio? And obviously, you mentioned um, when you you left radio to get into what you're doing now. But did you want to get into the radio industry earlier in life?
1: Uh, I've told this story many times. Uh, I'll try to encapsulate it. Uh, but when I was six years old, uh, growing up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, um, my father worked for Canadian general electric. So he would bring home all of the new gadgets back then, like transistor radios. Nobody even knows what those are anymore, but he would bring home the transistor radios. He would bring home, uh, the latest stereos, uh, even portable kind of stuff that was starting back in the, uh, you know, the early to mid seventies. And I would just remember him bringing home a transistor radio in a leather case. Um, I don't even think it had FM on it. It had AM on it. And I think the station was CKY in Winnipeg. And I remember turning it on for the first time, strapping that leather strap around my bicycle uh, handlebars and riding through the neighborhood, uh, listening to uh, a voice coming out of that speaker. And, And there was an instant connection for me. I thought that that voice in that speaker was talking directly to me. I didn't think that there was anybody out there else listening, but, but that, that voice was talking directly to me. So it was an instant connection. And I think from that moment on, even at the age of six, I knew that, um, that's what I, in the back of my mind, that's what I wanted to do. When I graduated high school, it was a, it was a decision of either going that, that route, getting into, you know, radio and media or going into be a lawyer. My parents at the time, I think (laughs) probably wanted me to go the, the law route looking for a little bit more sustainability um but uh i you know i always have gone the road less traveled i, I i've always gone with my instincts and I, I and i sure sure am glad that i did because uh, i've had a very very fun and rewarding career and it continues to this day
0: i was gonna say uh, when i was younger i always i grew up in the 70s so i a lot of the sports stuff back then wasn't on TV that much, maybe the game of the week and stuff like that. But a lot of the broadcast for the CFL, the NHL, it was all on radio. So I grew up with radio back in the seventies and I used to tape games of, uh, uh, Tom cheek and early Win from the Jays in the early years. And then with Jerry Howarth and, um, but when I got older, I always had a passion for sports, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And, um, uh, I wish they had this technology back in the eighties and nineties because it might've made a difference, but, uh, like I said, Al, um, it's not how you start life or a game; it's how you finish it. And I got a taste of the broadcasting bug a couple years ago, and I, with Rogers TV, and I really like it. And uh, I'm hoping with doing these podcast shows, I get an opportunity one day in the radio industry.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it really it starts from a passion. Right. You've had you, you, whether you've discovered it at six years of age, like I did. And again, it took me many, many years, you know, until I graduated high school to kind of, you know, the light went on for me to kind of uh, go down that path, but it really doesn't matter uh, what age that you start in. And if you want, if you've got a passion for something uh, and you just love doing it, um, go out there and do it. Uh, now, I'm not saying that it's going to everything's going to fall into place and you're going to yeah. be able to make a living at it and so on and so forth. But really, if you start from that passion point of view, to start with, uh, then you just kind of move your way to an area where sometimes you'll get to here. Sometimes you'll get to here. Sometimes you'll get to here. And it's, and, and success is very subjective. It's my success is going to be different than somebody else's success. And, uh, but again, the root of it is you have to love what you do. And I can honestly say that I, you know, everyone says that that classic phrase, you know, I've never worked a day in my life. Um, all I can tell you is that there's no calluses on these hands. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that that's a bad or a good thing, but I've never really. I mean, I, I've, I've had to work. I've had to do a lot of hard work, but in a, in a in a different sort of way
0: and 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 that's what I'm trying to accomplish. And uh, Rogers TV here in Guelph, I do a lot of the camera work for the Storm games. So I'm seeing the TV side of it. And then with the podcasting, I'm seeing the radio aspect of it as well. And I'm trying to learn as much as I can every day and continue to keep improving. And I've been very lucky to get great guests such as yourself on my show.
1: Well, like I said, uh, if 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 you're not all if you're not learning something new, I don't, I'm not saying you have to learn something new every day, but if you're, if you're not learning something or finding out a little bit more about yourself and, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, your expectations of yourself, your limits of yourself, um, you know, you've got to learn as you go. And, and, and like I said, y- if you stop learning, I think that's, that's where the issues arise and that's when you start getting lazy and, uh, I'm learning stuff again, almost every day about, uh, the industry that I'm in, the people that I work with uh, where my voice can go, uh, the things that I can do, the projects that I, that I may or may not have thought about being involved with, uh, you know, opportunities arise or you create the things. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it doesn't matter what industry that you're in. Uh, I think that's the attitude that you have to have.
0: Absolutely. And this leads to my next question. I wanted to ask you, Al. um, did you have a mentor or mentors when first starting up in the industry?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, when I graduated high school, um, I went down to, um, w- uh, you know, a local station, um, CKNW, which is, the, which is the big powerhouse talk radio station um, in Vancouver, uh, the top dog, as they always called it. Uh, but back then, this is, you know, 1984, uh, they not only were a talk station, but they had some of the biggest personalities uh, in radio, in, at least in my opinion, in, in the country uh, there, uh, frosty forest, uh, in the mornings. Uh, then they, they would have talk shows, uh, with the likes of Gary Bannerman and, and Rafe Mayer. And, and then they'd have an afternoon drive, uh, uh, you know, a legend, Rick honey. Uh, and they were still playing music on AM. And then of course they had the BC lions and they had the Vancouver Canucks. So, you know, you had, uh, J- the, the great Jim Robson, uh, doing Vancouver Canucks games. And of course, people will know him across the country because of course he worked at, at hockey night in canada and would broadcast the games uh, mostly on the west coast um but growing up and listening to those voices and then going down to that radio station every second day for four weeks after i graduated from high school asking for a job um and i and i pestered them until they gave me an opportunity to 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 be a board operator there and one of the first uh, people that i met at cknw was the late great john ashbridge and John was the, you know, the big booming voice of NWS uh, major news at eight in the morning and at noon. Uh, he also did evenings and 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 stuff. But he, of course, was uh, a PA announcer for the Vancouver Canucks from from 1987 through to the the, the times when I started sharing the position with John um, back in 2010, 11, and then as as he eased into retirement, and he of course had had some health issues. Uh, I ended up to, taking over the position uh, full-time in, 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 2016. So John and I, you know, met uh, when I was 18 years old and we carried on a great friendship and a mentorship because he was a truly a mentorship to me, not only being in the radio business, but also as a public address announcer. Um, and, uh, when he passed away, it was a very, very sad day for me, but he, he taught me about the respect that you have to have in your position, whatever you're you're doing. And I think that uh, was one of the biggest things that, uh, that John Ashbridge taught me.
0: I was going to say, everybody talks about the radio announcers, the TV announcers, of course, they are important. But when you go to a game, when you go into that arena, you identify that arena with that voice. and And people don't realize how important public address announcers are and what kind of a great job they do for their prospective teams and arenas.
1: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I think the, the role of a public address announcer has changed, uh, over the many decades, uh, you know, that, the, that the job has been in existence, regardless of what the sport happens to be. Um, you know, uh, John Ashbridge taught me the first thing that you have to remember as a PA announcer is that you are there a to inform second to entertain. Um, and like I say, it's changed a little bit in terms of, you know, depending on what market you go in, you're going to, you're going to get, you know, public address announcers that are really over the top. Uh, and then you're going to have more of the traditional announcers. I try to, you know, have a happy medium in the middle. You know, there are, there's guys around the, the national hockey league who I have so much respect for, you know, you mentioned Tom Calhoun earlier, Tom and I got to work together, um, You know, a couple of years ago uh, when I was in uh, St. Louis for the uh, the All-Star game and I was there doing my role, you know, with the NHL and doing the PA work. But, Tom, that's the best thing about those those outdoor games and all of those signature events that the NHL, you know, brings me in to do is that I get to work with the local PA guy as well. So to meet Tom Calhoun, who has never missed a game since 1987. That's impressive. That boggles the mind. And, uh, he's got such a great delivery and it's classic and it's traditional, but he can turn it up when he needs to as well. And Lou Nolan in, in Philadelphia and, 1972. Uh, you, know, you know, yeah, I mean, these guys, there's a reason why these guys have been around for as long as they have. Uh, and then you mentioned Mike Ross. I got to meet Mike, uh, when I was in Toronto, uh. Last summer, um, as my daughter was going to, to university, we, we we always would converse and stuff via social media and stuff. But to sit down with Mike and and his wife and have dinner and and talk shop and, and then not talk shop, just talk about life and and what we do outside of our, our chosen professions has been uh, has been fantastic.
0: I was going to say, and the Maple Leafs. I'm even though I'm not a Leafs fan, I'm a Red Wings fan. The Leafs have only had three PA announcers in my lifetime: Paul Morris. Uh, Andy Frost, who did a great job and Mike Ross, who's been outstanding and the, and the Red Wings, uh, in my lifetime, I, I remember Bud Lynch, they had yeah. somebody before Bud Lynch and then they took, and then they had, uh, Eric, uh, who took over from Bud around the same time that you took over from, uh, uh, followed in the footsteps of John.
1: Yeah. And, and Eric and I, uh, uh, started to converse, uh, during the pandemic because, uh, I decided uh, during that time to do uh, goal announcements for fans. You know, they could they could connect with me via social media. And Cameo. Their, you know, I could put their names in a, in a goal announcement, and I would do a few of those a day just to kind of keep the spirit of hockey alive when the uh, when the NHL season was canceled. And Eric took on that role as well. So did Jeff K. and in, in Dallas, and a lot of other uh, guys around the league started doing that again, really just to kind of give something back to the fans to say, Hey, you know, it's going to come back. We're going to be here. Uh, And we, we still believe in you and the fans and everything else. And we can't wait to get back and tell you, even, even those games when we got to come back and, and there was no people, you know, there was no fans in the stands. um, It was great to be back doing that. But boy, when the fans got to be back in the, in the building, it just, it just, it just makes all the difference. You know, you, they, they really are there because they love the game, they love their team, and I'm no different. I mean, I I I, I look at it the exact same way.
0: It makes a huge difference, because even doing camera work uh, in the Ontario Hockey League for the Gold Storms, it wasn't the same. I was glad to be back in the rink, but it wasn't the same without the fans in the building to add to that atmosphere for the players and for the broadcasters too.
1: Yeah. I mean, you talked, I remember, um, you know, seeing uh, Elias Patterson uh, you know, uh, they they would enter at a completely different, uh, you know, elevator than the, the rest of the staff during COVID because they had to kind of go in their certain sections and we had to go into our certain sections. But you'd see them across the parking lot and you'd wave and you'd say, hey, you know, you know, welcome back, so on and so forth. And, and, uh, you know, you, you would hear some of the players as much as they were happy being back, uh, The the crowd noise, the synthetic crowd noise that was pumped in there. And it was a great job. I mean, you know, EA Sports and the NHL did a fantastic job trying to make it as close as they could get to the real thing. But boy, when 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 the fans came back, you know, you could just see it in the, in the, in the players' eyes as well uh, that they were happy that that was happening.
0: I was going to say, when you were younger, uh, before you got into radio, was there a particular uh, bra- uh, PA announcer uh, that you really liked? Obviously, John Ashbridge. But was there any other ones from other sports around uh, stadiums that you really admired?
1: Well, you know, you mentioned the, you know, my time with the Vancouver Grizzlies when the NBA was here in Vancouver, um, that was another kind of opportunity that I, you know, I wanted, I was a huge basketball fan, uh, and growing up in Vancouver, of course, we didn't have a team until the, you know, the Grizzlies came here. So we had to go down to Seattle to watch the Sonics play when the Sonics were in Seattle and they're going to get a team. They're going to get another team you, you, within the next, I hope five years or so, they're going to have an NBA franchise back in there. But I used to go down, you know, and and watch the Sonics play um, and listening. And again, it it was one of those things where it's almost uh, um, kind of in your subconscious. You you know, I wasn't, I mean, I was listening to the PA announcer down there. You know, I was listening to John. I was listening to, you know, all of those voices on, that you would hear in the background on Hockey Night in Canada or whatever. And you would hear these voices, Andy Frost being another one of those names or Tom or Lou Nolan or whatever. And uh, it's almost like osmosis. You know what I mean? You listen to these voices and you take a little bit of snippet from this person, a little bit of snippet from that. Well, that's That's an interesting delivery even before I was a PA announcer. So when the Grizzlies came to town, I missed out on the auditions. I, I saw that they had held the auditions when I was watching the six, six o'clock news and I went, oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed the auditions. So I phoned down there and said, listen, I, you know, I, I'm doing afternoon drive at the time at CKLG in Vancouver. I said, I'm off the air at, uh, you know, uh, six o'clock. Is there any way I can get down there and just audition for you? I know I've missed it, but uh, any chance. And they were saying, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I was quite persistent again. They let me come down there. I met with a, a great guy who I'm in, indebted to for the rest of my life. Uh, a guy by the name of Greg von Schottenstein, who was the, uh, director of game presentation for the Grizzlies and the Canucks. So he was kind of overseeing, you know, what John Ashbridge was doing with the with the Canucks as well. I went down there, auditioned, uh, 15 minutes later, I got the job. And uh, that was my first kind of real professional PA job. I mean, I'd never done it before. I mean, my first preseason game was my first PA job. I mean, I'd done um, Major League Baseball when they came to Vancouver at BC Place. They did a thing called the uh, the Baseball Classic back in the nineties with the Mariners and, uh, and, uh, Jays in Detroit. And I think Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and I did that. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of PA involved in that, but when the Grizzlies came to town and I got an opportunity to, to do that sitting at center court, you know, watching the likes of Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant and, you know, Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon and Charles Barkley. And of course, the Vancouver Grizzlies who again, their record, forget about yeah. the record. These guys yeah. are professional athletes, but to announce those names, I mean, I, I fell in love with it and, and I, I knew even after the Grizzlies left that there would be an opportunity down the road to do it again. And uh, I'm just, I, I'm just glad that the, that the Canucks, uh, you know, afforded me that opportunity.
0: I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, Two questions about the Grizzlies, and then we'll move on. I was going to say, why did the Grizzlies fail in Vancouver, in your opinion? And can you see the NBA uh, reconsidering coming back to Vancouver in the future?
1: Boy, that's a loaded question. I get that uh, a lot. Uh, The Grizzlies, you know, the Grizzlies and Raptors came in at the same time. Um, You know, they had the same... They had the same things to deal with as the as the Grizzlies did, though, you know, Toronto being a much bigger market, uh, an opportunity, you know, just, you know, uh, Southern Ontario, the population just there uh, to grasp at. So you're going to get a bigger fan base, obviously, right off the right off the hop. But they they were or, or are and we were paying in american dollars as well and you got to remember the dollar was what hovering you know around 70 cents it was to bad. the american dollar it was i think it was under at some point so you you know you even if you sold out every game in vancouver i don't think that they would have made money uh just because of the money that was going out the door to play the, to 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 pay the salaries um th- it was a pretty decent fan base uh, i just think you know uh, there was some uh there were some decisions in terms of, uh, players being drafted, you know, the whole Steve Francis situation about him not wanting to play in Vancouver. Uh, and then there was the, you know, there was even, uh, you know, t- the, 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 word that some of the players, you know, coming up to Canada didn't even want to play in Canada. You know, it's a different country and there's, you'll still find that you, I still hear stories about players currently, they go, oh, I don't want to play in Toronto cause it's a different country and it's so on and so forth. But I, I think the, the main reason was, we just, we we couldn't sustain the amount of money that was going out as opposed to coming in. Kind and then when Michael Heisley bought the team saying that he was going to keep it in Vancouver, and of course, you know, a year later, he's moving it down to Memphis. Um, it was a sad day. Uh, so there was a lot of reasons why the team didn't work here. Will it ever come back? I hope so. I would love to to, to go and, and watch games here. Um, but I really think now it would have to take another team to, you know, leave their current city to come to Vancouver. And I don't think the NBA ever wants that really to happen again. And if you want a new franchise, uh, the word is it's a billion dollars. Big bucks. So, you know, you got to have somebody with deep, deep, deep pockets. That's uh, prepared to lose a little money over the first number of years. And I just don't think people, uh, I don't think that is a good investment for, for, for people with that kind of dough.
0: I was going to say um, Seattle is obviously a no-brainer. How far is Seattle from Vancouver drive if you wanted to drive there?
1: Uh it's about 3 hours, you know, okay. de- depending, you know, depending on, you know, uh how long it takes you to cross the border. Uh um and then depending on traffic, but normally normally when we go down to watch, uh, you know, a uh a Seahawks game, I usually try to get down there at least once or twice uh, during the NFL season to watch the Seahawks play. Usually it's about three, three and a half hours, so it's not a real long drive. It's, uh, yeah, but again, it's the borders that that are the situation, especially now too.
0: That's the same as me going to Buffalo or Detroit. It's not that far from Buffalo for me, two hours. Detroit's about three and a half, but the border can uh, really add to that if if it's backed up as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: And Joe's watching. Thank you, Joe, for watching. Hey, Joe. He's just saying he's been a big fan of yours for so many years. Incredibly talented and delight to listen to and follow online. And thank you again, Joe, for putting me in touch with Al. And a uh, really good guy. I had Joe and his daughter Morgan on a couple weeks ago, and we had a good conversation on here. And uh, I have to come out to Alberta as well. So I'm hoping yes, maybe next, do. hopefully next summer, I'm going to have to do a West, uh, Western Canadian road trip.
1: And we would welcome you with open arms. I know Joe would say the same thing. And uh, and Joe's, uh, I really appreciate uh, Joe's uh, comments. Uh, I'm very grateful for for w- what he has to say about my work. And uh, I the, the, and Joe, if if you take a look at Joe's social media content, he is very passionate about doing everything that he does in his life. And again, it always comes back to that. And if you've got that, you're going to be happy anyway.
0: Definitely. Are you still okay for a few more questions? Absolutely. No? Okay. This one I wanted to ask you, um, obviously you explained how you got the Grizzlies role. When they moved, um, I guess 2001, I guess you were still, you were doing your Murdoch production company. Um, How did you end up getting in touch with the Canucks about uh, doing some public address announcing work for them at Rogers Arena?
1: They actually contacted me because during that cup run of 2011, uh, you know, when the Canucks ended up in the Stanley Cup final against Boston, uh john ashbridge had a had a heart attack and so he was laid up in the hospital for a couple of days and i was actually away on vacation and i landed it was in the car and i get a call um from uh, again people that i had worked with who were still involved with the canucks that i worked with at the grizzlies There were there's were still a few people in within the game presentation department So I got a call saying, "Listen, uh, John's—he's had a heart attack. uh, He's—he's in the hospital. Can you come down and fill in for at least one or two or how many games? uh, You know, until John, you know, gets back on his feet." And so it's like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, get in the car and drive the family home, and it's like, "Okay," you know, have a quick shower, shave, right off to the rink uh, to do uh, that first uh, round—the first game in the first round of that playoff series—and and again, I'd never done an NHL hockey game in my life. So you get thrown right into the fire. And for me, that's the best way to do it because you're not really thinking. To, you just go into it. And, you, you know, you try to stay positive and, uh, and, and not worry about making mistakes because it's going to happen. Um, so I filled in. I did uh, the first two games. Um, and then, of course, uh, the Canucks went on the road for the next two. And by that time, John, being the strong guy <laughs> he was, uh, came back and finished the rest of the uh, rest of the playoffs. And of course got to do the Stanley cup final, which was, which was one of his, uh, which was one of his, you know, dreams and one of his goals. And, and, and I'm so glad that he, that he got to do that. And then after that season, he decided that he just went, you know what, maybe after this health scare, maybe I just want to start scaling back a little bit. And uh, so I think I did about 20% of the games the following season. And then it kind of increased to a point where, the last season um, would have been the 2015-16 season. Uh, he just said, you know what, I think I've had enough. I think, uh, you know, I want to spend more time with my wife. They had just bought a place outside of uh, Vegas that they, you know, wanted to spend some time at. And he just said, listen, do you want to take over full time? And I said, well, listen, w- w- you know, I'm I'm all for it. But I said, you know, if that's your decision, you know, it's got to be, you know, 100% clear to yourself that 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 because I don't want to. I don't want to take any more games than, than I need to, to do. And, uh, and I said, well, why don't you come back the following season? I'll do the majority, but you do the original six teams, you know, kind of like a swan song. So we got to do those, those, those great teams. And, uh, and then again, I, t- I took over in, in 2016, but all the while still, you know, John and I, we go out for beers. we talk about, you know, uh, old times we talk about any, you know, I would say any suggestions that I can do or any, not necessarily within my delivery kind of behind the mic, but in preparation, you know, what, you know, how, how did you prepare to, to, to do these games or, you know, if this scenario came up, how would you handle it? So I was always going to him for advice. Uh, and again, his mentorship uh, helped me immensely.
0: What do you remember most about him fondly?
1: Oh, just his sense of humor. He was one of the funniest guys that you would ever meet. He was, and it's self-deprecating. I mean, to a point where you just like, he would have people in stitches. And the thing is, is that John's sense of humor was so quick. You know, he would announce a goal or he would announce a penalty. um, And then he'd, you know, by the time he shut off his mic, he'd be telling, he'd be in midstream of a joke. When he, when he, when he would have to announce a goal, he would announce a goal and come right back (laughs) where he left off. And, you know, he would have the entire crew, uh again just uh, giggling throughout the in, the entire game and just his uh just his aura and and his respect for his position and his respect for the game and his charitable work uh he was just such a nice man so you know for me to follow in his footsteps um and then i mean you'll never be able to fill the shoes of of somebody like that and john said to me he goes i don't want you to fill those shoes you've got your own set of shoes to wear. you go on and you do your own thing you deserve it uh, i'm glad that you know that we have been friends for 30 years and you get to kind of carry on that thing and 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 what i said to him i saw him a day before he passed away he was in hospital he passed away of cancer and i saw him the day before he died i went down there and 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 with my mother because my mom and john uh, worked uh, together in a lot of charitable uh, endeavors through the royal Columbian hospital foundation here and, uh, so my mom and I went down to see him and, and, and John just said, listen, you know, uh, the, the same advice that I was given when I was a young buck, he goes, you know, here's the opportunity, but don't you screw it up. <laughs> and, you know, he points to me and says, don't you screw it up. And, uh, and he was just, you, you know, I, 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 there you, you couldn't find a, a person in the world that has ever met John that ever would have a bad thing to say about him. And that's a legacy that I want to continue. I've carried on with, uh, with my involvement, just like his involvement with the uh, Vancouver Canucks alumni and all of the charities that the Vancouver Canucks are involved with, uh, more specifically one that's dear to my heart, which is the Canucks Autism Network that, uh, that I do a lot of work with. And uh, I've mentored uh, a young man, Ryan Chilton is his name, and uh, I've mentored him over the last about seven years now. Uh, um, he's got autism, but uh, he is an, an absolutely passionate guy about PA announcing. And now he's doing, uh, you know, work in the, uh, in, in the junior hockey ranks now. So he's worked his way up to, to that level. And he comes in and does games with me at the Canucks during our autism awareness night. He'll announce the starting lineups with me and he'll, he'll work throughout the game. So all of that stuff that kind of John you know, it's not like I was, I wasn't doing that stuff before, but John just gave me that extra kind of kick in the pants and said, it's not about you. It's about everyone around you. It's about collectively caring for people and passing on and paying it forward as much as you possibly can. So, so that's what I've been trying to do. uh, Over these years.
0: And a a lot of the the public address announcers I've had on from hockey, basketball and that their stories are a little bit different, but they're so similar about mentoring and, 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 and not, replacing a legend in the booth, but following in their footsteps and being their own person.
1: Yeah. I think that's really important because, you know, those, those, those people that you have looked up to and, 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 and if you were lucky enough to have those, those people to mentor you over the years, uh, you, you, you have to respect what they've done. They've laid that groundwork, you know, they've done, they've done all of that kind of stuff and they've, they've, you know, maybe made some of the mistakes along the way. And from those mistakes, they could pass along to the next generation coming up. Hey, this is kind of how I dealt with this. You know, you are going to make mistakes. You know, you are, you're going to get hammered by people that, that, that don't like you, that, that do like you. And that doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's really all about your love and passion for what you're doing. And he goes, if you keep that in check, you know, it's aces.
0: Okay, and I was going to ask you this too. On a game day, Al, do you have a, a ritual or any superstitions like that, or something that a routine you, you like to do before a game?
1: I drive the same way, the exact same way to the rink. Um, obviously, if there's a you know major tie up in traffic, I've got to make an alter, you know. But I drive exactly uh, the same route to the rink every single t- every single game. Uh, I try to park in the same parking spot <laughs> if I can. Uh, and I get to the rink pretty much within a couple of minutes of this the same time uh, every single game. Um, and I go through a ritual every morning. Uh, I do a lot of my prep again with technology. I can go into you know the the software system at the rink, you know in terms of our our scripting and and all of that kind of stuff and and see what kind of things we've got that night. Uh, We also have, you know, I get, I get to the rink, you know, uh, probably three, three and a half hours before game time. A lot of, a lot of, you know, PA guys don't do that just because of how they've set up their game presentation thing. But we go through a lot of rehearsal uh, for, for a lot of the stuff that we do so that we're absolutely prepared. Uh, For what we've got planned that particular evening. But I go through and I'm looking at who we're playing. If there's guys that they brought up from their farm team, from their AHL affiliate, who are these guys? You know, how do you pronounce their names? If I can't find it on YouTube or I can't find it through, you know, you know, a media outlet uh, from that particular city, you know, I'll, I'll go and talk to their play by play people before the game and say, listen, you've got this young guy. That you've just brought up from you know sweden or from wherever uh or it could be from from canada you know i've uh, the, the, how does he like his name pronounced or how do you pronounce it on the broadcast uh so i'll go to them if i need to but it's all about being as totally prepared as you can because if you look back and go well i've made that mistake well why did you make that mistake well it's because i wasn't prepared so i try every single game to be over prepared so uh, you know, I, I've got everything kind of up here, and it's almost second nature that uh, that things are going to go well.
0: And that's what I try to do with my podcast too—is try to prepare and do homework and just—you're right, you summed it up. And Chuck Sworsky of the Bulls told me this too. He goes, "I might not be the most talented broadcaster in the NBA, but nobody will outwork me or be more prepared than myself." And he absolutely. drilled that in. He drilled that into me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, and again, it doesn't matter what profession that you're in; it could be this. Yeah. it could be whatever it could be marketing it could be being a lawyer it could be whatever uh if you if if, if you put in the work you put in the preparation if things don't work out that's life but you yeah. know in your heart of hearts that you did absolutely the best that you possibly could so it's it, you know it rests on you and if you feel that you've done the great a, a great job then that's really all that matters in the end
0: okay do you remember your first goal call for the Canucks? the first goal You know what? I don't. No. Okay.
1: Okay. (laughs) I I, I wish I did. You know what? I could probably go back into the records and and see. You know who first who scored that first goal. uh, You know for the Canucks in that in that first round uh, playoff series. Uh, I do. You know I I do have some memorable goal announcements that that uh, you know that are near and dear to my heart. The the top one, of course, is is that 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 final goal that the Sedin scored uh, against Arizona in their final game at Rogers Arena in their final season. Um, you know, it, 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 and and it's just you know when when you get a goal, you know, by the by the Sedin's assisted by Edler, you know, at at, at two thirty three, you know, uh, like the numbers in the twenty two and thirty three at two thirty, you know, like I mean, it's just, it's just, you couldn't have written a better script. So that's the one that I always kind of go back to and say, you know, if there's one goal call, um, that's the one that I would remember. But I, I think the the real answer to that is I haven't made it yet. Okay. Because I, I want that Stanley Cup Cup. Yeah, I want that Stanley Cup final. I, I want the Canucks to get into that Stanley Cup final. And because I've done a, a lot of things in my career, I've traveled all, all over the world doing this, yeah. this job and, and doing all of the great events that I do for the National Hockey League. Um, uh, but to do a Stanley Cup final, I mean, that's, that's, that's the one that I'm, that I'm keeping my fingers crossed for.
0: Well, the Canucks. I know they didn't make the playoffs last year, but they still had forty wins, ninety-two points, and then they. I was looking at some of their players: uh, J.T. Miller, ninety-nine points, and Peterson, sixty-eight, and Quinn Hughes, sixty-eight, and uh, Rodney Ontario, which is about two and a half hours for me. both oh, Bol- played for the London. Not. Played for the London Knights and uh yep. tremendous player. And I really think the Canucks uh will be a Stanley Cup contender this year. I just based on what I saw from their uh, team stats from last year.
1: Well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right because I wanna I wanna be there. I want to do a playoff game again because it's been a while. Yeah. Uh and as much fun as it is during the regular season, uh, those playoff games, I mean, they they mean everything. Yep. And just... it's a different vibe in the rink and everything else. So
0: And I was just thinking about this, too. The Red Wings, I know the Red Wings are back in the East, but the Red Wings Canucks haven't played in the playoffs since 2002. And I remember that series because the Canucks took the first two games at the Joe Louis Arena. And then the Red Wings uh, in one, I think, game three, Lutstrom scored a goal from center ice against former Storm goalie Dan Cloutier. And that seemed to change the series.
1: It sure did, yeah. And the the rivalry that uh, that the Canucks was, and Red Wings had uh, there for it, it wasn't did. a real long term yeah. rivalry, but it was a short term rivalry. But it was as, as heated as it could possibly be, and that's what you want. That's what you want in uh, in in in, uh, in in sports is those rivalries, those those games. You go, you mark it on the calendar. You know, when the season calendar comes out in June, I look and I I'm circling the 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 games that you know. That I know are going to be ones that a, it's going to be a packed house, but you know, that both teams are going to be up for it. So if both teams are up for it, the fans are up for it, the, the game present team presentation teams up for it, television, radio, everything else can't get any better than that.
0: Okay. And, uh, if you're okay, I just gonna, this one, I had to ask you, I do this with all my, uh, the PA guests that comes on who has been the most difficult name to pronounce, uh, obviously for the Canucks and maybe from a visiting team so far. And, uh, Mike Ross was telling me there is a website where all the one announcer, I believe from the Kings, uh, started this website for all you guys that do PA work.
1: It was actually Ryan in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Be that's happy. okay. Uh, who started it and it's, uh, yeah it's 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 a website that uh, well anyone can go to you have to subscribe to it, but uh, we're all of us at the beginning of the season, we all uh, get our rosters and what we'll do is we'll all voice every single player, n- you know number, player, um, and then he'll upload that to his website. so any one of us within the uh, you know within the National Hockey League or anybody for that matter can go access. So if we're playing the Kings, we can go down, uh, and 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 every single player's name will be pronounced by the local PA person in that particular city. So that's how they like to to, to announce it. So obviously, that's the way that because we want. I think the thing about um, about teams and rivalries and all that kind of stuff is that uh, you know it, the we all want our teams to win, obviously. But we have kind of a brotherhood within you know the the, the National Hockey League and 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 us PA announcers where. You know, we want everyone to succeed. We want everyone to have a great game. We want everyone to be able to pronounce the names properly. So that was a great thing that Ryan, you know, put together to to help us all collectively. Kind of go, hey, you know, we are a collective. Let's make sure that we're that we're out there to help each other. And uh, it's been a it's been a, a wonderful um, uh, you know asset uh, uh, for everybody. And in yes. terms of pronunciations, though, yeah. uh, there really hasn't been a whole lot of, you know, uh, I, I think, you know. Yeah, with technology, you've got an opportunity to go online and and find all these pronunciations, or go to the, the players. But I remember when Elias Pettersson, which is how you pronounce pronounce it, Elias Pettersson, um, that's how the Swedish way would be to do it. But I remember when he first came to Vancouver, um, there was a you know a lot of people would call him Elias uh, Peterson, uh, Elias uh, Patterson, Peters. You know, so they went to him. And he was kind of, you know, as because he's a very funny guy. He went, uh, well, you know, uh, you know, I'm Pettersson in Sweden, but here in North America, you know, it could be Peterson. So he was so aloof about about <laughs> it. So I just went and I said, listen, you know, you're, you're from Sweden. I'm going to pronounce it the way that I think it, it should be pronounced here. And it's Elias Pettersson. So I pronounce it that way. Um, but it's Elias Pettersson. And, of course, now we just drafted another Elias Pettersson in the last draft what That's are the, the odds thing, of that yeah I know exactly but he <laughs> pronounces it Elias so I can't wait for the day when I get to announce a goal you know uh, whoever it was whether it's Elias Petterson scoring it the assist to Elias Petterson and somebody else time of the goal 410 uh that would be a fun day because uh if, if those two are in the lineup during the same game I can't wait for that.
0: Okay. Yeah, just gonna wrap this up too. Um, Al, can you just tell my audience here in Ontario, uh, just a little bit about your company, production company Murdoch, uh, production services, and uh, what? How did you, uh, become, uh, starting that up back in nineteen ninety seven, I believe.
1: Well, like I like I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, my radio career was you know I was doing mornings in Vancouver, oh, and that yeah. was you know at 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 a, at CKLG, which you know, at the time, uh, was, you know, one of the biggest radio stations in, in the country. It was, you know, the big, you know, 100,000 watt blowtorch on, on the AM band playing top 40 music back then. Um, so to get to Vancouver and get an opportunity to do a morning show, there it was kind of like the, you know, the goals that you the little steps that you can kind of make up. So I got to work at CFOX and CKLG, which were in the same company in the same building. So I, I, I got to kind of check off those, those boxes. But like I said, I, I had the opportunity to start branching out and doing more voice work. So commercials uh, and not commercials that just ran on the local radio station. You know, I would go to audition at production houses and 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 work with advertising agencies and stuff. And I started doing more and more and more. And then video games, you know, you know the voice of uh, NBA Live for EA Sports for 13 years and Need for Speed and, uh you know i'm looking at a, a couple of other ones you know here uh you know fight night champion the boxing game um nhl hits which was a great game that uh, i still love playing because it's kind of old school so i was, you know i got to a point where i was doing more voice work than you know and 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 my income I was making more money doing that than working in radio and i looked at myself and i went do i really want to get up at three o'clock in the morning every morning to do a morning show anymore and i just went no um, I took and I took the step back uh, when the, actually when the Grizzlies left town, uh, it was just and the radio station was changing format. It was just kind of a perfect time for me to say, you know, thank you. I've enjoyed my radio career, but this is really the path that I want uh, to to get into. So I built a studio in my home. Um, I had an agent already in, in Los Angeles and New York and Toronto. And uh, and I just worked my butt off and continue to do so because you're an actor, so you're you're busy, 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 and then sometimes you're not. But I do a lot of voice work for radio and television stations around the world, so that's a consistent thing, and uh, and and still a lot of commercials and uh, movie trailers and and all that kind of stuff, all from the comfort of my own studio here at home. So I just uh, I just got to go downstairs and works here, and uh, I get an opportunity to do a lot of fun projects.
0: I was gonna say, when you started it up, was there any challenges or any harder aspects of it? I guess, but because back in '90s, we didn't have the technology now that we do then back then.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, technology uh, back then was yeah. I was still. I remember sending uh, you know uh, 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 you know audio uh, voice files, you know, on CD or on mini disc or on DAT tape. I remember to to some clients. Uh, but then, with uh, there, there was a technology that is now not too many people are using it anymore. It was called ISDN. You get to get an ISDN line in your house, and that would, would mean you could be a, hook up to studios around the world and be live in their studio, even though you were kind of in your own. And now, it's of course been replaced with Source Connect and a bunch of other ones. Uh, but I think that the, the the biggest challenge is is the fact that it, you're sitting in a padded room <laughs> all day by yourself. Uh, you know, the one thing that I missed, you know, a number of years after I started was the social aspect of kind of working at a radio station or that's just say an office per se, because you would have social interactions with people. And most of my stuff, you know, was, was handled via email, uh, or you would do live sessions and be able to, 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 to talk, talk, talk to people. But by, you know, a lot of the times you're just by yourself and you're, you're voicing, you know, scripts for radio and television stations and so on and so forth. But the, the interaction, like what we're having now, that's the, the, if there's any downside and there really isn't a downside to it, that would be it because it is a very, you know, it, it's very, it's, it's a, it's a solitude. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're a by, You're by yourself a lot. And, and again, I always say, I sit in a padded room and the seven voices that are in my head all the time love it. Um, but sometimes it does get a little lonely. Uh so you know after our, our 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 conversation here I'm grabbing the dog we're going to go for a little walk up the hill okay. and come back and then I've got another session with another client uh, in a, about an hour and a half so uh, okay. we'll dive right back into it
0: okay I'm going to wrap this up but I was going to say what breed of dog and what's your dog's name
1: it is a king charles cavalier brussels Griffin. look that up
0: okay
1: um <laughs> and uh, his name is Harley and he's seven years old. And the reason why we named the dog Harley was because I've always wanted a Harley, uh, but my wife won't let me get one. So that's as close as I'll ever get to a Harley is by naming my dog that <laughs> because she will not let me get a motorcycle. Good
0: stuff, and uh, that's why I love doing this show too because um, I love hearing stories from my guests and then I have my own life experiences and I love the storytelling aspect of this. And uh, again, Al, I want to say thank you so much for coming on and I'm just going to wrap this up with this last question. Any advice for those who are not just myself but who are watching or listening later on looking to pursue a career in broadcasting, media, public speaking, and, and even voiceover work?
1: uh i'll go back to our earlier conversation about passion first thing okay passion will go a long way uh passion won't pay the bills but it's a good place to start uh and your work ethic has to be second to none you have to be willing to travel uh you also have to be willing to see where the industry is going like you know that's a loaded question when you say advice for people who want to get into radio or television or broadcasting Uh, that's separate from being a voice actor. That's separate from being a PA announcer and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, the radio and television industry has gone through a ton of changes over the years, not unlike being a voice actor or a PA announcer, but, uh, you, you see where, you know, there's three or four companies that own every radio and television station in the country pretty much. There are some independent companies out there for sure, um, but everyone's consolidating. And when consolidation happens, what does that mean? Less jobs, um, you know. So you, if you really want to get into it, you got to be that first person that's on that, you know, that that doorstep, that first person with that demo, that first person out there, and you got to work harder than everybody else um, because it's an industry that, you know, uh, I don't want to say it's falling on hard times, but you see where every few months it's like well bell media has laid off another you know 35 40 people rogers has laid off these people chorus is entertained. you know entertainment is laid off these people look at lisa Laflamme, yes you know 35 yep. years on ctv and then she finds out at the end of june that her services are no longer uh, no longer welcome no listen i understand they're they're a company they can do what they want um but uh, you have to be prepared to go yep. into an industry where you know that the the job prospects aren't as 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 wide as they were when I got into it. Not to say that there aren't opportunities for camera people, aren't opportunities for people that are in, in into game presentation or so on and so forth. But uh, you really have to go in with open eyes. Don't put the blinders on. Understand where you're going into. Just like being a voice actor, it's hard work. Uh, you know, you're I, I get rejected ninety nine percent of the time. You know, like uh, I'm doing 13, 14 auditions a day. And if you, you know, if you get one of those in a month or two or three, you're, you're golden, Uh, you know, uh, but you know, you have to handle rejection all the time. And if you can't handle rejection, this is probably not a business that you want to be in. You can't take it personally. You're just not the right person that they picked for that particular job. Uh, And as for PA announcing, uh, if you have an opportunity to start in the lower ranks, you know, and starting off in minor hockey, do it at your local rink, get, get your, get your feet wet in that. And then, and then, and then apply, you know, in, like if you're out here, apply to the BC JHL, uh, you know, uh, apply to, uh, you know, a, a, the Fraser Valley. It doesn't matter what it is, but work your way up. Uh, nobody's going to just get out of broadcasting school or just walk off the street and automatically, boom, you've got a, a job in the National Hockey League. It just doesn't work that way. It's like every other industry you got to start here you got to work your way up
0: and that's what i've done with my podcast today was my 188 or 187th show since march 2020 and uh like i said i um i love hard work and i have passion and i've also faced rejection like you mentioned dal don't take it personally and uh i'm also in the works of getting my own demo made up from all these podcast shows as well now excellent Yeah. I mean,
1: again, you, you're on the right track. You just gotta, you get, you just gotta keep at it. And, uh, you know, and hopefully uh, that, that door somewhere will open up for you in an area that you want to be at. And then it's like, here we go. Take off.
0: Definitely. And where can my audience in Guelph, uh, find your website and social media sites as well? Just
1: just look up Al Murdoch, A L M U R D O C H all platforms, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, and you know, you, you're talking about, you know, somebody in, in, in their fifties like myself, uh, yeah, we might be the oldest guys on TikTok. TikTok, we might
0: be. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we might, be, <laughs> that's, that's but uh, you know, I, I started to go and 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 go I think we I'm just getting some audio feedback by the way. Uh, I apologize. I just I don't know what happened here. Um Just one second, I'm just going to try some. I was just going to wrap this up. I I don't know. Just one second, I'm just going to wrap this up out.
0: Okay, guys, again, uh, I apologize for that audio uh, technical issue. I'm not sure what it was, but uh, I just want to say thank you so much to Al Murdoch for coming on. And I'm going to try to figure out what happened there. Cause it was going so well. And then just about 30 seconds ago, uh, it just kept repeating itself and I made sure, um, I was not on any other websites. I know sometimes when you're on other websites. It, the audio can repeat. So
1: you um, got me now.
0: Yeah, I got, Oh, you're back. You're good. You're good. Hey. And that's another thing I've learned too. Sometimes things happen in radio TV and you just have to go on the fly and do the best you can.
1: And you did fantastic. No worries on my end.
0: Okay. Again, Al, I'm sorry I kept you over 40, 45 minutes, but I want to say thank you so much for coming on live with CDP podcast season four episode. I think it's episode 21 this year or 22. And uh, I'm going to be uh, rooting for the Canucks this year. As long as you don't play the Red Wings, I'll be cheering for Vancouver. And I hope you guys have a very successful year.
1: I appreciate it, and it was a great uh, you know, opportunity for me to chat with you, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward.
0: Thank you so much, Al, and I'll definitely keep in touch with you on uh, our social media sites as well. Have a great day. Cheers. You too. Thanks, Al. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast with Al Murdoch, uh, the public address announcer for the Vancouver Connects. And he's also um, the owner and president of the Murdoch uh, Production Services Limited. He does a lot of voiceover work for TV and radio stuff. Again, I apologize for that audio glitch for about a minute. And uh, again, uh, things do happen in radio, television, and the show has to go on as well. So I'm um, just going to read some comments from Shelly. Uh, let's see. Shelly McCray. I just found out last night about Lisa Laflam. I was devastated and disgusting. Her voice was a part of my home for decades and she gave me comfort and consistency forever. Chris and I can relate. Yes. So Wednesday I've learned about the broadcasting business and TV and even radio, which I'm trying to get into is it can be a cutthroat business. And uh, that's uh, the one part of the industry and stuff like that. But um, I'm sure Lisa will be back on the air or in radio again in the, in the near future as well. And I agree, uh, Shelly, I was a fan of Lisa when she even worked for CKCO in Kitchener, Ontario as well over the years, Shelly, thank you so much for watching. And as for Joe, uh, Joe Whitbread, uh, thank you for watching my podcast with Al today. And again, I appreciate you, Joe, uh, setting up setting me up uh, with an opportunity to speak with uh, Al on Live with CDP podcast today. And this podcast has changed my life. I've met a lot of people I normally wouldn't have met. And uh, I've made a lot of connections and even friendships. And I consider you a friend, Joe. And uh, I'm going to have to start cheering for all the teams in Canada because the more I uh, speak with guys from across, uh, the country, the more I want to root for their teams because uh, there's such a lot of um, a lot of people in this industry have been really supportive of, of what I'm trying to do. Being a 50 year old guy trying to make it in the industry uh, without going to broadcasting school and stuff like that as well, so I still have a lot to learn as well about the radio industry and stuff like that as well, uh, guys. Just to let you know, the next live with CDP podcast is going to be Wednesday, August 17th. Again, at the same time, four p.m. Eastern. My guest is going to be Andrew Parrott, former defenseman with the Ontario Hockey League's Windsor Spitfire, and the son of former NHL player Nathan Perrot, and is now going to be with the uh, American Hockey League's Rockford Ice Hogs for the 22-23 season so I'm looking forward to speaking to Andrew about his career in the OHL which lasted five years with the London Knights the Owen Sound Attack and last season with the Windsor Spitfires who ended up losing the OHL championship in seven games to the Hamilton Bulldogs as well and maybe talk a little bit about uh being the the son of a former NHL player like his dad Nathan and how much of an impact he had on Andrew's hockey career as well, so I hope you guys can uh tune in for that tomorrow at four o'clock. That'll be season four, episode twenty-three, as well. If you guys can give me about twenty minutes, I will download this podcast onto my audio platforms: uh Google Podcasts, A- Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, Castbox and linkedin as well and speaking of that also guys you can follow this old guy on tiktok at live with cdp as well i post a lot of video content on there as well and guys before i go i'm going to just show you some work for my friend today uh she did some work for me uh a digital business card and I'm just going to put it up here right now uh, and you guys if you get a scanner you can actually scan it right now I just want to say a special thank you shout out to my friend Martina Burnett uh, she you can follow her on Epic Queen on Twitter uh, for her I just wanted to say thank you to her for her hard work on my digital and paper business card and for helping me create a demo reel Uh, for applying to radio stations, hopefully very soon as well. So uh, again, I want to say a shout out to Martina for doing this work and stuff like that. Now, everything nowadays is all digital and stuff like that too. So I just wanted to showcase a little bit of uh, Martina's work on my uh, podcast show and give her a shout out because I think she did a tremendous job on this as well. And also guys... Just wanted to let you know, uh, that's pretty well it, guys. You guys can also check out Al Murdoch on almurdoch.com as well. And he's on Instagram, he's on Twitter, and uh, he's on LinkedIn as well. So, and Also, just to let you guys know, uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs, who I had Ryan Humphrey on the show yesterday, uh, they opened up their 22-23 OHL season against the Gulf Storm at the Sleeman Center on Friday, September 30th at 730 and uh, their home opener for the Hamilton Bulldogs the defending OHL champs Saturday, October 8th against the Oshawa generals. And I'm looking forward to being behind the camera with Rogers TV in September, which isn't that far away. And I believe the Bulldogs training camp opens up August 30th. So again, I want to say thank you again to Ryan Humphrey yesterday and Al Murdoch for coming on live with CDP uh, sports podcast. And, um, That's pretty well, it, guys. I will let, I am going to call it a show. um, But I hope you guys can tune in to tomorrow. Again, four o'clock same time. Andrew Parrott, um, a former defenseman now with the OHL's Windsor Spitfires, is going to come on and talk a little bit about his OHL career. And now signing a one-year deal with the Rockford Ice Hogs uh, of the American Hockey League, who are the farm team of the Chicago Blackhawks as well. So that's about it. Uh again, I want to say thank you to everybody watching this live on my YouTube channel. Please hit subscribe if you already haven't. And also thank you for watching this on Facebook and Twitter and also on my audio platforms. And again, at the end of the show, there was a little bit of an audio glitch there. And I apologize for that, but I think we got through um the majority of the podcast show as well. So uh I'm looking forward to um uh, downloading this and uh hopefully you guys can all give me feedback later on. Uh, my show so that's about it Uh, guys we'll see you guys uh, tomorrow night at 4 o'clock with Andrew Parrott and again I want to say thank you to everybody for watching my podcast and listening later on to it as well so have a great night everybody and thanks for watching live with CDP sports podcast
2: (laughs)